What's up, everybody? This is Side Stage Podcast, Episode 2. This is Chris. This is Keaton. We're going to we're gonna have to work on that. But uh, first off, we just want to thank you guys for listening and let you guys know that uh, we are now available on iTunes. We uh, finally got that approved. And hopefully here soon we will uh, be available on Spotify, Google Podcast, anywhere you can listen to podcasts. That's our goal. Um, but for now, we're on iTunes. Check it out. Appreciate it. And if you can, subscribe, rate, review, give us any feedback you want. Uh, today is Super Bowl Sunday. So we're going to do a little sports talk here. I know it's not really what the podcast is about, but you got to love it. It's Super Bowl. It's the biggest day in sports. Um, At least U.S.-based. It's the biggest day in sports. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so what have you been listening to this week? Really not too much other than a bunch of four-year strong going through their back catalog some more. Um, other than that, I've been obsessed with all-time Lowe's new song. And I'm not even an all-time Lowe fan, but for whatever reason, it's been stuck in my head. I was actually spending all morning trying to learn to play it. Got mostly through it, maybe two-thirds. So that one was... Even Megan, which, you know, some of the music that she listens to and I listen to, she can't stand it. And then this one, she's like, I actually like this song. It's pretty good. I haven't heard it. Um, I did hear they came out with a new song, but is it? It's, yeah, but it's, it's, I don't know how, like, it's got a good flow to it. It's pretty dynamic to some extent. Um, And I just, I don't know, I struck a chord this week, so more or less I've been trying to play it and learn it. Did you uh, say this in Four Years Strong? Did you... um Listen to that cover album. I have here and there, yes. I love it. It's it so good. good. Yeah. Normally, I'm not a huge, huge fan of like cover songs, especially '90s music, because it's just you don't cover that, you know. But they did so good. Um, Ironic is my favorite song that they covered on that. It was so good. Uh, those guys are just—they're talented, man. Uh, they are, and it's kind of interesting because really, what I guess relit me wanting to listen to them was this, the two new singles they dropped for the album coming out in February. And when I was listening to it, I was like, this doesn't sound like anything I kind of recall from them because it's a very groovy bass. It's yeah. not like, in a weird way, I think you alluded to this at one point, like two of the, I'm assuming the main guys, I don't even know their names to be honest with you, but the guitarists and lead singers yeah. are the ones that like trade off. You, you said they were like pretty heavy at one point. like Yeah, they were guitar players in uh, Barrier Dead. So and you can kind of catch that catch that on the earlier work. It's very speed. It's very it's, fast. It's, it's a lot of kind of in your face. It is. It's like it's like pop punk, but it's real heavy. Yeah. And but like this new stuff is almost groovy. And it, the, both of the songs. I mean, it's pretty low. It's pretty distorted, See, and it sounds really wicked. But like, that was like the difference of like just of them evolving, I guess, in their own sound. I really like those those two new songs because, in my opinion, they sound more like their older stuff than the more recent stuff they put out, but it is different still. Right. Um, so, yeah, that's why I'm trying to go through the catalog, listen listen more to them. I actually um, try to learn, what is that big song that came out um, years ago? It was like that 2010 album. It must really suck. That must song. Suck, yeah. Yeah, because um, it's a whole step down every string. So but it's kind of cool just doing that. Crazy good guitar players. Yeah, I just changed my ESP, the strings to it, put some um, heavy strings on it. What size? It's 12. I said, I just, just bought last night a set of 12s to, yeah. I don't know what I'm going to put them on. But. But, well, that ESP, you know, it's got the MGs, it's a heavy guitar as is, so I'm just going to keep that one a whole tune 
down more or less yeah. so that way if i want to drop a c we can um c sharp we can from there just yeah. however you know that way hopefully because every musician that ever makes it yet they have like 15 guitars all in different tunings yeah always set up that way so that way you're not constantly tuning to and from you know so i actually was watching a video on youtube last night it was of a a guy who's a like a session musician in nashville and like he plays on broadway and stuff and he was showing his pedal board and instead of carrying five guitars with him because you know they just play cover songs okay that's all they play on Broadway. So, you know, you can play anything from any country song to ACDC to, I mean, I saw one band played Rage Against the Machine. Oh, nice. Like, if you request it and you give them money, they'll play it. <laughs> like, it's pretty cool. Um, but instead of having to tune his guitar 50 times, there's a pedal by, I think it's TC Electronics. It's called a drop that's what it's called and you can every time you hit the thing you can it tune it sends a signal your guitar goes through say it's in standard it drops it a step every time now that's pretty cool but it's i mean your guitar is still in e yeah. standard but like you can drop it an entire octave hmm. and it sounds like it now i don't know personally i've never played one so i don't know if it would have a litany like tone issues yeah but that would that's pretty cool. I didn't know even know that existed. Apparently right. they've been out for a long time, but that I didn't know that existed. Cool. I mean, I think I actually want to look into that because that is just a good way and cheap way of learning stuff without having to do everything. Well, yeah, now, I mean, because some people love to play nines on their guitar, yeah, but maybe they want to play some real heavy stuff. Yeah. You can't play drop C and drop B with nines. <laughs> it's impossible. Yeah, you know, no, the, the tension's just not there. So. Like you said, that's a cheap and easy way to, right? You know, and that what was cool was he could when he drops it down to B, he mimics a baritone guitar. Okay. So it's six string, and then once the B, it's mimicking what a baritone would sound like. So right. It was it was actually really interesting. I'd like to see an entire video on one of those pedals just to kind of really just get in on it. I just think it'd be interesting because I'm assuming in this and you know what you're talking about and the analogy you're giving this dude is playing if it's in standard you know, standard guitar tuning and then you do want to drop it and you want to play like you said c sharp or something like that your chord structure is going to be completely different because you're not barring the tops e more or less yeah so like how you know how are you going to sit there and play some kind of cover song who's like you said chugging on the top well, e string what, you know? well if you know if you're playing in e standard and you drop it to a whole step down to d standard your chord shapes are all the same. You can play the same riffs, it's just a step down. Now, if you're you know, you're one that <coughs> say you want to go from yeah, e but standard to drop C, yeah. you would have to tune your guitar. Okay, and it still picks up that. Yeah, you I'm would assuming. tune your guitar to drop D and then it would okay. just yeah. go from there. That would make sense. Yeah. That's what I was curious yeah, on. Yeah, like, you have to actually I mean you, with that I mean if you do tune it however you wanna you know, two whole steps down. Yeah. Like you can get the same chord structure, it's just not gonna be the same. Yeah, exactly. I mean, all the notes. You know, yeah, they, they never change, notes. they just change places. Exactly. So but yeah, back to That's cool. That was a long one. But uh this week I've listened to <laughs> that guy that bluegrass singer you told me about that Billy Strings. That guy is phenomenal. It's see, I have a 
I'm weird about bluegrass. I love it. But I like simple bluegrass, like a guitar, banjo, maybe a mandolin. And that's what that guy is. Like, he's very, it's simple, but that dude shreds. Yeah. I mean, to some extent, I would agree with that. What he does is I think he gives more room for the instruments to breathe than other musicians. And he's, um, I guess, this is a callback to my father. He loves bluegrass and Americano folk. Um, he kind of alludes to it, new grass is what he calls yeah. it. Because, um, for instance, the dude, it sounds like, I can't remember which track it is, but he pulls out some kind of electric guitar. I'm assuming it's a hollow body because it's got that warm, just mud sound to it. Yeah, it has a very um, and deep And he just shreds on it, and he's probably got so many effects on that because you can just hear it mm-hmm. throughout the whole song, which was, again, it's like, man, you know, because a lot of times my dad's like, hey, check this guy out, check this guy out. And a lot of times it is just super traditional bluegrass, and I don't speak bad on it, but like four songs in, you're like, is this the same song? Yeah. Whereas this guy, every single song that, I could tell beginning to end. And he does, I think it's the mandolin he pulls out on one of the songs. Yeah. Or he's the banjo and he shreds one of those two. Well, Regardless, man, he won. This is the only reason why I more or less know about him. My dad showed me him. Is, um, within that, I guess, industry, he won like the award for the best album of the year. Really? And I think like probably within just his playing, too, he might have won an award for that as well. So when you hear that, and regardless of... Guitar playing, flat picking is one of the most interesting um, forms of playing because it's you're pretty much shredding on acoustic guitar and you have no effects. So like if you make a mistake, it's going to you, you hear, hear it. it. Yeah. Um, now everybody wonder what we're talking about. We're talking about a guy named Billy Strings. His new album's called Home. It's fantastic. Yep. Uh, but yeah, like the bluegrass. My dad, I grew up listening. We had this CD called it's like Alabama Stomp or something like that, and it. <laughs> was a mixture, it was like a, pretty much a mixed CD of all these bluegrass players, Earl Scruggs, you know, yep. and like Flatten Scruggs songs, Doc Watson, all these, all these guys, and I was like, I was forced to listen to that growing up, because dad refused to listen to any music that I liked to, so, I mean, that's really kind of where my love for that comes, because it is good music. You know, it sounds different, and people think you're a hick for listening to it, but it's it's good, you know. Yeah. It's, it probably showcases more individual talent than most music, yeah. period. I mean, always take turns. Like, if you listen to a lot of these bands, and was, then we're going on bluegrass, and sorry if a lot of people don't listen to this, but this is just kind of a different culture within the industry, I guess, uh, musically speaking. Bluegrass, for whatever reason, these established bands you will see members drop in and drop out and no one makes a big deal about it. And they'll come back 10 years later and just play with them again like they've never quit playing with each other. And they go and make these almost Frankenstein bands. And for our industry, a lot of times, some people get turned off. Or not, I said our industry, but our taste of music. Sometimes people will get turned off for the fact if just their guitar sleeves. You know, a good, yeah. good example, Blink. Like, it took a lot of people... Real hard Years. blink fans to come around to like, well, yeah. it's still blink, you know, let's give Matt a chance. Yeah, because the majority of people are like, well, I'm not listening to this, this is garbage now because he's with the band. See, I like, I listened to that from the start because I was a big Alkaline Trio fan. That would help. <laughs> I loved Alkaline yep. Trio. So I was like, it's going to be weird because it's Matt Skiba and not Tom DeLong, but yep. it's going to be, it's going to be something. Yep. And I, I like it. I think so I saw good. them last summer, by the way. And, you know, I gave him a chance because I've seen him twice with Matt now. Um, the first tour was one of the better tours. It, um, I've seen it in a long time. It was a day to remember with Blink. Dude, that's um, awesome. It was, it was pretty good. But that show, 
I'll be honest with you. I mean, I was a Data Mirror fan. That was the first time I've seen them since really finding out who they were in their catalog. Um, I enjoyed it a lot more than The Blink Show. Really? And then when Matt, Mark, and Travis came out personally, and this was, like, I think their first big tour with Matt, to be honest with you, after the California album. I know it's a little um, muddy there, but he was a statue. He just stagnant on stage the whole time. And I thought it was interesting just because, and he kind of still is, but I went and seen Blink with Tom twice. And Tom was everywhere. Tom likes to move around. He yeah. he's almost like an act in a way. And then for whatever reason, and this sounds different, um, with just having a different musician on stage. But I feel like they feed off each other. The so dynamics like, totally different. Yeah. If you watch Mark and Tom, they're moving everywhere. They're switching mics. Like yep. when they're singing, they they were doing all kinds of different stuff. And just the stage presence itself kind of kept you more in tune with it. When I was watching with Matt, I was like, this is cool and all. But and even during that, and this is the other thing, it was just like every California song they played, I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. Because, again, it was Matt. You know, that, that yeah. was the songs they wrote together. And then every time they pulled off a old catalog song that was Mark doing lead, I was like, okay, nothing changed. But then when Matt tried to sing the Tom stuff, it was a drastic difference. And it still is this day. I mean, Tom has a weird, you know, you can't mimic voice, it. you know, you know, slaying almost the way he sings. Um, and then I went and saw him this year, <laughs> and they did "Enemy of the State" to and from. Really, and it was rough because with that, you know, I'm glad Matt's there. I'm glad Blink's still doing what they're doing. I support them all the way. But when you're listening to the album that got them on the map, and it doesn't include Tom which, you know, he was a big part of that album, the big part of that sound. It just kind of came off kind of strange. I mean, I still enjoyed the show. It was still great. You know, they still played the other singles. They played it from California. Um, they only played one song from Nine because it was the summer tour. Yeah. So I would be really curious because now if they go on tour again, I'm assuming they will probably sometime this year, and if it is Blink again, you know, I would love to see them do their catalog from nine and from California. Cause you know, they re- released the deluxe version of California, which had two. I know, yeah. but that would be really cool is all I'm trying to say. And I was kind of wrapping all this back to saying how bluegrass, for instance, cause you were talking about how musicians now individualistic they are and how they all take turns. That was just my example of like blink. You hear and you're like, yeah, you know what's going on here. Same, yeah. But in bluegrass, you know, you see these bands constantly move around and shuffle around and new people come in and it's just like, Oh man, that's cool. Like, you know, John Cowan's playing with Sam Bush again. I know that's probably something, you know, you probably heard those names, but they were in the New Grass Revival, which was like a 70s, 80s, you know, kind of band. And it was kind of helped propel, you know, bluegrass and folk back then to what it is now. Um, and again, they split off for years. Like that yeah. band just broke up. And then all of a sudden they come back together. But yet, you know, Sam Bush made his own band, John Cowan made his own band. And there was just like no bad feelings. Whereas, you know, if you do that rock nowadays, and stuff, you know, people were prima donnas and they'll, yeah, they yeah. just destroy the bands for like, you know, why they get rid of the X, Y, or Z. So I've also been listening to this, uh, group for the past two days. Yesterday we had rehearsal for, uh, church this morning and, uh, we, afterwards we were just standing around talking and, um, I, Drummer Dan. Oh, by the way, excuse me. I gotta stop. I gotta redeem myself for mistakes I made in the last episode. Um, Daniel, our drummer, I didn't say that he was great like everyone else in our church group. So Daniel, you're great. Shout out to Daniel. <laughs> and I forgot one person because uh, I'm terrible. Mikey, I love you. You're the best. 
Shout Sorry, out to I forgot you. Uh, anyway, we <laughs> we had a rehearsal, and after rehearsal, we were just standing around talking, and um, Daniel and Zach are got a little group they're starting or whatever called Skywheel, and uh, we were just talking about bands, kind of like what they want to be, and um, they showed me this band called Valley. And it's different than anything I like, it's, but it's awesome. They got the their lead singer. He's got pipes, man. He can sing. He's fantastic. And they, their drummer is a girl. And uh, not that that matters, but um, she's really good. And she can sing. She sings harmony. They all sing, but you can tell when she's singing, and it is awesome. I'll have to check them out. Yeah, uh, they're really good. It was uh and the videos we're watching were live videos, and they sounded just like an album. It was awesome. So just out of curiosity, did they by chance play a Fender? Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, uh, what do you call it? Their rhythm guitar guitar player, or might be, might be their lead guitar player, he plays a uh, this Strat that it's sick. Oh my gosh! And then they're the guy that sings their other guitar player plays a telly with a like sea foam kind of mint green pit guard, and it is awesome. And uh, but they're good, man. I just brought that up so we can segue into <laughs> kind of the next thing we wanted to speak on, and that so, is uh, our fenders that we play ourselves. Yeah, so we want to do a more um, sectionalized gear review instead of kind of just talking. So today we're going to compare our three Fender Telecasters. I own one, Keaton owns two, and we're going to kind of talk similarities. Maybe a third in the near future. Differences. Dear Lord. I really want it, and we can talk about this too, but the Acoustasonic Fender, I'm really I've kind of... I've seen videos. It's cool. I would really look into that before you get it. Like really, yeah, really. Research I have been, it. but like I've seen people go from metal all the way to just like oh, surf, yeah. and I'm like, to me, if you put the time in, because I think it's like eleven different, because it has a switch on the knob, and you tune it to yeah. each one, and then it changes your pickups, yeah, your three way. So I think it has like eleven sounds that you can kind of mess around with. That's not including like any kind of setup you're going, you know, running it through, because that's how you're gonna get your high gain or your heavy distortion or whatever. You can use it there. So the idea behind it, though, is like, it's pretty cool. It's like they a, look cool and they look cool too. Yeah. And I've heard um, for acoustic wise, they the playability because it's still the same Fender neck, which yeah. I've probably really grown to love. I mean, my tailor's got a very comfortable neck, and I'm assuming it's probably similar to that. But well, it's like an electric time, guitar. It's, it's like electric neck, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's like the videos I saw. And it's got all... a single um, no, noises pickup, Fender yeah. noiseless in there. So that's kind of what's picking up. I and mean, I think it has one under the whatever the hole. Yeah, might the... be some modern terminology for that. But there's another pickup there. Everything um, I've watched about it, they all praise it. But I just don't yeah. know if it would. I guess it really would fit your playing style well. But anyway, mm-hmm. back to these guitars. My Fender, my Telly is a. Uh, I don't remember the new names of these. Um, but mine's a Mexican-made telly um, with a limited edition um, burgundy mist. It's color. pretty. It's very pretty. It's it doesn't really look burgundy. It looks more of like a mauve, like a pink color. But it 
it's really cool guitar and uh, once i put some better strings on it and did some work to it it, it plays really well it sounds well um, a lot of the tone is there that i really didn't think would be out of a mexican telly but it's really there and it's really good um i play it every day i play it um in church on sundays it does exactly the sound i want it's a classic has that classic telly twang to it um everybody looks for on a telly you can turn it to the the neck pickup and really get a real cool real good rhythm sound flip that thing to the the bridge pickup man and it it just sings you know yeah and then next is your what is it well i'm gonna go on a walk real quick about fender and tell you how we <laughs> found it so this way we can just kind of set up a premise on kind of even how we landed on telly so as we already told you last episode, we're going to bring up Blink quite a bit. And that was probably our first love, I would assume, even for Chris, because, of course, Tom played Fender. He played a Strat for the most time. He had a surf green. thing was beautiful. The thing was so cool. And, and whatnot. And that's kind of where it started. But what's ironic about all this is, at the time, um, when I was getting a guitar, I actually played a bunch of acoustic starting out because my dad had them laying around. So when it come, came time to buy my first guitar, electric, he was getting to me for Christmas. This is where I ended up on that Washburn hollow body that I have because the 03 album came out. Yeah. And he was playing the ES, what, 333 or 333? 333. So at that point, I was like, man, I want a hollow body. And of course, I want one of those. And it's like $3,500 guitar. So my dad wasn't you know, shelling out $3,500. So I found oh, my next thing aesthetically like looking. And it was this Washburn that we found, I came across. So that was actually ended up being my first electric guitar outside of Fender. Um, so then I was, you know, years progressed. I learned, started listening to different stuff, playing more stuff, um, growing, expanding my musical catalog. I started seeing, um, ESP pop up a bunch because again, a lot of metalcore bands, et cetera, et cetera. They play a bunch of ESP. So that was actually an ex guitar I landed on. And, um, that guitar, how do you call it? Just the ESP in itself has the EMGs. It is very I would I can't think of the word I would say segment segmented or pigeonholed into a different kind of sound like you can get a lot out of it but that guitar is made for one reason and one well, reason only really EMGs man they're hot and, uh, they're active they they're what they're for is real yep. high gain so that led me into like I want to really a do all guitar like I, if I want to play hard I want to play you know some heavy stuff I want to be able to do that with it if I want to sit there I want to play um, just kind of like a mud sound you know good blues like something like you were talking about I want that sound I want a solid I don't do Southern rock more or less other than like maybe Sweet Home Alabama every once in a while. But if I want to do that, I want to go for there. And then I want to extremely, like I say extremely, but a great clean. Um, now, don't get me wrong. Those EMGs do have a really good clean. Yeah, but they're, um, they're so loud. They're just, they are. You can hear every yeah. like pick almost, and with a, if that makes any sense. But yeah. So then I was like, I'm going to give me a Fender. And the band that actually got me turned on to the Fender was um, Taking Back Sunday. Because I was actually watching them play, and their old guitarist that left that came back for him when they got back together. He plays Brian a Fender, and um, his Fender was it's just beautiful. He's playing a Tele on there, and I was like, man, he's playing a Tele. And then I started looking at pretty much all of these bands that we listened to from the past, all these other acts, and you just see these Fenders pop up left and right, Tellys, yeah. and every kind of style of music. So I was like, well, this sounds and looks like a guitar, kind of what I'm looking for, so I can. You know, if put the time in the work, I can find whatever sound I want out. Also, Paul Reed Smith, a lot of them pop up in every single right there, baby. brand. <laughs> yeah, I actually want, I think it's, is it an SC is what they call it? Like The, that, the American-made one? Yeah. yeah like mine the, is a... No, that's the SE. We have an SE as well. I meant the yeah. um, Core Series is oh, what I yeah, meant. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I want one of them pretty bad. I actually maybe my next 
I want the seam cutaway, but for whatever reason, they're doing the dual cutaways now. You see them more and more instead of the seam cutaway. And I remember the seam cutaway, just shout out to March Monty. Dude's playing for all his life. Nasty looking guitars. As in, you know what I mean. But, long story short, that's how I ended up on the American Strat Deluxe Fender. And it's got a Cherry Sunburst. Beautiful guitar. Uh, it took me forever to get the plastic off the pit guard because I just didn't want to ruin the pit guard. I don't know if anyone has those. <laughs> I did you know. the same thing. I played mine for like three months yeah. before I took the plastic. And I believe it has three noiseless pickups, one with a angle in the middle. So it's got a um, it's five-way switch, right, with a three-way pickup? Yep. Like I said, so See, mine just, just has the two, the bridge and the neck, yep. three-way switch. You can sit there and you can really dial in whatever sound, every you know, tone you want. Um, I mean, it's got the, um, God, I can't remember right now. Locking tuners, mm-hmm. mace locking, or changing strings, way easier. I'm probably going to upgrade my tail um, to those. It has know. the strings, like you said, that pull through. So if I ever want to do load tunings, I don't have to really worry about. Oh, they're through the body. Yeah, through yeah. the body of the guitar. Um, again, it plays everything. I actually play that one in a half step a lot, a half step down a lot. And the reason why I kind of just landed on that is because when I balled it more or less, a lot of the stuff I was listening to was playing a half step down or D sharp or C sharp or whatever you want to call it. So then I would just tune that one a whole step down. And, um, it just it did exactly what I needed it to do. Still does. Um, I don't play it nearly as much because I got this Jim Root. Well, the, and, and the, I, my favorite thing about your American Tele versus mine is mine is a all square body. Yeah, it does have the like, and yours has that cuts. cutaway yeah. on the back. Yep. And I mean, I've only played it once or twice, yep. but it when you're using a strap, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But sitting down in a chair mm-hmm. playing it. It makes a world of difference. That guitar, it it's so comfortable. Mine's not uncomfortable by any means, but it's it's like, okay, you got luxury, and then you got, like, Lamborghini. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, <laughs> you got a nice guitar, but then you have a, you yeah. know, just ultimate player's guitar. You know what I'm saying? And the kind of what you're alluding to, this is also another reason why, and anyone listening, I would suggest Fender, it is probably like if you want to say percentage wise, like 100% of every model that they make. The American Fender that I bought, because it's not a custom shop, but you're looking at as in the product, what the materials they use, um, the production they use. Because, you know, they have, I'm, I'm assuming, because the majority of them, they actually sand those cuts in. Really? Like they take Instead their time on the guitars. So you're buying that premium guitar. That's yeah. probably top of the line within nine percentile of that kind of guitar you can buy within the fender line because i mean customs that's different because again you're going in there you're probably going to spend who knows how much for your fender custom thousands shop. and thousands of dollars um, yeah and then like now they are having a couple more lines come out that are a little bit different but for instance well, they changed the names of all of them yeah they have they, I mean, they could be a marketing thing we don't know yeah. fender shout out i mean let us know but with that being said on the fender part you can spend 2000 2500 and get a premium guitar that's used pretty much across all the industry with any kind of musical genre that you want to play. Oh, yeah. Whereas, and you know, there's Gibson, but and you can buy it. But their studio, Gibson Les Paul, is not a studio Gibson standard. Yeah. It's just not. And then there's a huge different, like, price discretion there. And, again, it feeds, you know, I mean, you can... You can get whatever sounds you want in a studio. You probably can't custom, but and then they have their own custom custom too that are even higher. But you're getting thirty five, four thousand dollars. Yeah. So like to me, the Fender that I bought, quality wise, sound wise, is on par or and or better. And yet I'm not shelling out a toe to buy it. Yeah, you're not. Yeah, you're not have to take a loan out to yeah. buy this guitar. But then, all right, now we go into the Fender Artist Series Jim Root signature. Telecaster. Now, my Tele has two noiseless pickups, 
uh, volume knob, tone knob, three, three. Uh, what am I? What am I trying to say? Switch, three-way switch. Three-way switch. His American Tele has three three noises pickups, a tone knob, volume knob, and a five-way switch. This Jim Root has two EMGs and volume just and a volume knob. <laughs> yep. That's it. Now, I guess the similarities between my Mexican and his American, there's a lot of similarities there, two guitars. And I think with the Jim Root, the similarities stop at the name Telecaster. Pretty much. You I mean, know what I'm saying? I know they use different woods. It's a heavier wood. Yeah. I'm going to save mahogany because I believe my American Standard Swamp Ash. Mm-hmm. It's a heavier wood. Again, it help those, I guess, chugging tones get out of the guitar more. Um, again, the EMG pickups. Yeah, I mean, different it's kind running, of just every telly in the world runs single coils. Yep. Unless somebody makes some crazy one with humbuggers or something, this one freaking has EMGs in it. Yep. Now, given Jim Root plays in Slipknot, so not no, not someone you would think would play <laughs> a telecast any Fender, to be honest with you. Yep. Um, but yet he only plays Fender. Yep. Um, and also shout out to Jim Root, by the way. Dude's a phenomenal musician, of course. Um, and I actually looked up quite a quite a bit of stuff before I bought this, you know, Jim Root. And again, I told y'all I had the ESP LTD, and it's probably you could say redundant to buy another EMG based pickup. But I kind of fell in love with the way the Fender Tellys feel. I lo- it's I know we didn't talk about this aesthetically, but it's a crazy cool looking guitar. It's white and black. The Check this actual out. lock-in tuners are black. The it's all black hardware, correct? Yep, all yep. black hardware. So it's just I don't know. It just has a. It got a. It had, does have a matte finish. Now this is one of the big things that I saw people more. Um, how do you call it? Look down, not look down on it, but the negative review portion of it is because it is a matte finish, and the matte finish in itself, like the way you play, you're actually gonna more or less sand that matte down, and it's gonna start putting a shine to it. So. According to Jim Root, when he was doing this, one of the reasons was, of course, to keep the price down. So he didn't want to sit there and apply, you know, so many codes, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And he wanted to do this matte because he wanted to make your own guitar. And he's like, even, and it's kind of interesting because if you look at a lot of custom guitars, you'll see even on the fretboards, maybe it's an inlay, you'll see their name, or the headstock, you'll see their name. It, he doesn't put it on the back. So on, you yeah. can't see it unless you actually look at the back of the head. Well, one thing um, I, I watched a kind of a gear run down with him, and the dude, I mean, it's Slipknot. They have, insane gear um but he uh you know he has the jim root telly yep. the jim root strat and, and the, the jim jazz root master. jazz master if i'm and if you I'm want wrong, that fine finish by the way you can buy the strat or the jazz because they do have that well correct me if i'm wrong the signature models the only one that's white yep. is the telly yes the rest of them are black. all black yeah correct correct and i got a soft spot for jazz masters man i want one so bad but that's a different conversation for a different but time. But that also, you know, we were speaking the artist series for this Telecaster is cheaper than majority of yeah, because you can't find out there. all of his except for the Tele are Mexican made. Yep, they did that on purpose because he wanted to keep the price down. He didn't want people spending three thousand dollars on a guitar, yep. which I think is awesome because it's a really good quality um, guitar, but it it's not going to cost you an arm and yep. leg, which is awesome. <laughs> and what's interesting about this is. You know, some of these musicians, you'll see them play a couple of songs of their own signature model on stage. Yeah. And I, I think it's all, personally, it's probably, you know, I do come from accounting, financing background. It's probably, and business more or less. It's probably just a marketing. What's 100%. Most people and, don't like their signature guitars. Yeah. So, 
with that, he actually plays his telly on stage, and I'm pretty he, sure he plays and his jazz master because they were the gear review or gear rundown video that I watched. He had them all in a case, and yep. he had just gotten his jazz master, like literally just. He plays a Mexican made jazz master. He don't have a Fender custom shop like you think. Yeah. He plays the guitar you buy off the guitar center shelf. Right. And, and I, I just think that's cool because it's a good only way thing of, he changes are the strings. Yeah. That's it. It's giving you some credibility for yeah. the instrument itself when he actually makes an artist series and the artist actually uses it. Uses it. And I, plays I have it so much so respect well. for that. Now, this is one thing, and this is anyone out there who buys any kind of new instrument, try to get your instrument set up almost immediately because I will be yes. honest with you. This, uh, Fender and Fender, if you can hear this, because again, probably factory made for this kind of model. This Jim Root, when it came back, I could not play it. It was not set up correctly. I, I mean, it was awful. Like if you actually pulled that guitar off a wall, off a shelf, yeah, off a shelf, you know, wherever you're at, and you actually try to play it, I would assume majority of people who, other than maybe because you really wanted Jim Root series and a big fan of him. They'd probably put it back and be like, oh, man, something's not right about this guitar. I mean, it was squishy. I think, did you play it before yeah, I, I got it set up? Yeah, the action was 10 foot. Just also it the was, strings, the gauges were yeah. way too light. Because I mean, the majority of people who are going to buy that guitar know exactly what they're buying yeah. on the Fender line. They should at least come with maybe some lower gauge strings on it. Um, I also think part of that comes into it being a Mexican-made. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because Cause it is, like I said, I think it is bolt on neck. It is factory. Yeah. So it's not getting attention more or less like you know some of their other guitars out there that actually has hands on but and that goes for every guitar it doesn't even matter if it's Fender Custom Shop it doesn't matter if it's Gibson Custom get your guitars set up because the majority of the time even if they're getting shipped I'm not even talking about if you order online ship to your house just ship to whatever store you have a solid chance of getting something knocked loose you know and yeah. it's one of those things because once I got set up it became probably my go-to guitar right now because at first I was like man I've well, spent guitar X you amount buy, of money on this guitar. You pay $80 for a good setup, mm-hmm. and, and it's going to change yeah. the whole guitar. So I had a slot buyer's remorse, and then I got set up, and I was just like, never mind. <laughs> you know, like, right. And that's just truthful. So speaking of EMG, actually not EMGs. These aren't EMGs. But speaking of ESPs and tellies and metal, um, have you ever heard of the band The Deftones? Yes. Stephen Carpenter, their um, guitar player. Has his ESP signature sparkle seven string Telecaster. Look at that. That's pretty nasty. <laughs> it's uh, $12.99 with a case from ESP. Um, this thing has, um, let me see, seven string neck through body construction. Oh, it's a 27 inch baritone, um, yeah. six string. It. Uh, that, I'll be honest with you. The baritone is probably what I'm going with next. Because um, yeah. the majority of baritones have, what, a 27-inch neck. This it's one, a little yeah. bit bigger. This one is, um, uh, but he's got Fishman Fluence pickups in it, which are active pickups. So it's literally, I mean, that's a seven-string baritone. So that's real low. Yeah. I, I, I mean, if I get a baritone, I, w- I want a seven-string. If I get a baritone, I'm going to get six-string. majority of those you know, baritones, you're going to be playing some low tunings. That's kind of the... Well, I mean, that's the point. general idea of having that yeah. you know, thicker neck, longer necks to the string tension, et cetera, et cetera. The one I wanted for the longest time was Tremonti. He had a custom baritone, PRS. You can't find it now. Really? Right? It's like What's well, like, used is $4,500, $4,000. Well, that baritone sold out almost immediately, and you can't find it. But, the other day, I went down a rabbit hole for the Tom DeLonge Gibson, actual Gibson signature. Good luck on that. Cheapest one I found, $5,000. Yeah. Now, there was one on Reverb. Um, 
played by Tom DeLonge, has a signature of authenticity, his signature on it. They're like I think they wanted like twelve thousand dollars for saying, it. That brown with the white racing stripe. Oh my God, it's dude. gorgeous, man. Dude, it was amazing. Like, yeah. I don't know. Like, the minute it's I saw simple. the guitar, I fell in love with it. Yeah, it's great. And you can buy the um, Epiphone version. It only has one uh, lead pickup in the back. Yeah. Um, and I'm assuming a lot of people will still sell by it, but it is what it is. Well, they don't. Um, so you have to buy them all used. They don't sell those. The Epiphone you can buy new. Not anymore. Not I looked anymore? it up the other day. They do not oh, sell it anymore. And I kind of do want to get one because eventually I had this whole idea in my head, just because I've always been a big fan of music, it's a big part of our lives. Just like a room that I have, I'm assuming it's going to be like my music room. I just want to do some wall, hang them on the wall, and I just want to hang there. Like 50 guitars. Just, you know, like a shout out. <laughs> you know, like, hey man, this is my... Yeah. Now, um, with speaking of the baritone, the Birkin Benjamin, I don't know how much, you know, big fan of them or not, but Ben Burnley, he's a pretty phenomenal guitarist, and he's their lead singer more, and then also he plays rhythm, and he used to be able to play lead, and et cetera, et cetera. Big Tool fan. He actually does a lot of his rear space off some old Tool stuff. Um, he does have a LTD series, um, ESP, and it's a, a strange-looking guitar, and it is a baritone, and that's kind of the one that I've been looking at because it's not too expensive. Mm-hmm. It's got the neck. You're not going to be shelling out a lot of money. It does have EMGs, so in my head, I'm like, do I really want to go three guitars with EMGs? But it is a baritone, so there is a little difference there, and it has red. They're red. So oh, that's black. cool. Yes, red that's with EMGs cool. on it. So it's a really cool-looking guitar. So, And then also, um, Neil, he may actually have a baritone releasing with really? as well. That'd the only cool. thing about him, though, is his guitars, and you can watch. He can tell you this. He only plays one pickup. That's it. He's got a volume knob, and he's got one lead pickup. That's it. He doesn't have He's the lead you know, guitar player, bridge. so. Well, um, Kevin's the lead. Really? Yeah, Kevin's cast the lead. Now, Neil does do a little more lead here and there, and then, like, the song End of Me. He actually yeah. puts it on the bridge pickup, um, and I, don't, I can't tell you what guitar he's using because obviously it's not his signature. And he, his other ESPs, by the way, he takes them out. He actually yeah. removes the bridge pickup because, again, he doesn't use them, so he's yeah. like, why do I need it? So, you know, And then his signature when they were making it, because he does have a signature now and it's not the baritone version, it does only have one lead back you know, pickup with one volume knob, and that's it. No switch or anything. Well, there's a... Uh segue into um something else just talking the other day about our future episodes in this podcast and what we'd like to do um first things first april um if you're listening to this and you're from western north carolina like we are i guarantee you've heard of merle fest it is a massive americana music festival um i went for the first time last year he went a lot when he was younger um we're going to go this year and um, kind of give a recap podcast of that. That's something we want to do. Uh, may do a live on, on scene podcast there one evening because three days. Uh, it'd be something fun to do, take our wives and go. Um, yeah, I'm trying to do for sure. I might actually take off that Friday, um, go with my father that day for sure. I don't know which day you yeah, guys are going. I'd like to go all three days. because but It's actually four. So Willie yes, Nelson yeah. actually is on Thursday. Yeah. And so many people have made jokes if Willie will even be out there he and may be die. able to play. He um, may die on Saturday. Because the headliners he this year. last year, maybe? No, he wasn't there last year. Tyler, years ago. Tyler Childers was one of the main headliners in the Avid Brothers. Yeah, I know the Avid Brothers um, last year. But last time, Allison Krauss and Willie Nelson are your two main headliners. They're both this year. on Thursday. Yeah, which is weird. I don't. Yeah. They must be releasing some big headliners later for Saturday and Sunday. Well, um, Friday is. I'm on butcher. This is why I want to go because Billy Strings is because again he's 
rising up within American folk. Yeah. Like I mean, everybody wants to see him. His stock is shooting straight through the roof. Um, and then the other one is Marcus King Band. I don't know if you mm-hmm. listen to them because they're yeah. from South Carolina. I believe it's South Carolina. And them dudes, or Marcus King, I'm assuming, even to them, they're phenomenal. And that is more of a bluesy Southern rock, which Merlefest used to not be. So when I used to go to Merlefest, it was straight folk. Yeah, You like, may have some new grass here or there that would push the boundaries with an electric bass. And you're like, oh, it's an electric bass. You know? And it's like, that's kind of cool. You know, I see that in my music videos. I like everything. I mean, other than that, it was all stand-up. Yeah, bass. Everything was acoustic, mic'd. Like, there was nothing running through, no big setups, and it has evolved quite a bit now. Again, to bring in more people, to bring in more money, because that area is. They used to have uh, Lowe's headquarters. I know everyone's been Lowe's Home Improvement, bought some stuff there for their house. It used to be the headquarters there, so that was kind of like a big portion of. If you live there, you probably, to some extent, knew someone at least worked there, or you worked yeah. there yourself, and then they moved out to Mooresville. And when yeah, that so happened, you know, so I think it was that. for them to be able to try to even generate more. They had to do something. And so shout out to the bands that started coming out because one of the ones, first ones when this started happening, you had bigger acts. His name is, it's not, Blake, not, it's a B. He's a country, big country guy. Not Billy Carrington, not Blake Shell, and it's the other one. Dirk Bentley. Dirk Sorry, Bentley, okay. Dirk Bentley. So he showed up because he used to actually play some kind of more Americana folk. And he was yeah. on stage with, I can't remember what band it was, but it was a folk band. And they actually alternated playing the folk stuff and playing some of his country stuff, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, that's cool. And his country stuff had the spin of the folk because they just didn't have any electric or live. I think they may have had a drum set, but that was kind of it. So then like. Just from there on out, like Steve Martin showed up. I don't know if y'all know Steve yeah. Martin, you his, know, from the Two Brother Does and stuff. His, now, yeah. don't get me wrong, his banjo playing is straight folk. It's, you know, he's amazing at but banjo. But he is too. amazing. Yeah. Um, but it's a big name. You know, it's a draw. Yeah. So then, I believe the biggest one that came for a long time was Zach Brown Band. And that really kind of shook And the Avid Brothers have been there about almost yeah. every year for the last 10, 15 years. So when we started getting some of these big acts, that's when things started changing. Again, now Willie Nelson's showing up. Um, well, it's well, last it, see, I before I went last year, I'd heard about it my whole life, but I'd never, never been, so I didn't really know what to think, yeah. right? And, and I assumed it was kind of like, Western North Carolina, we just happened to get some good acts. Well, I went last year, and Megan and I were talking. By the way, we both are both of our significant others are named Megan, so we're not talking about the same person <laughs> here. Uh, but we were talking to other people, and it's worldwide. People come from all over the world yep. to come to this music festival, which is yep. way crazier than I thought it would yep. be. But it's on the campus of Wilkes Community College in Wilkesboro, North Carolina. Um, it's a beautiful campus. Oh, it's awesome. The festival's very well put together. They know what they're doing, and it's family-friendly, actually. Um, the main artist I saw last year, Tyler Childers, says some bad words in his songs, and uh, they kind of get these people to not do that. So yeah. it's That's interesting. Yeah. I didn't um, think about that, because the majority of folk and bluegrass, there's very, very little Yeah, profanity. exactly. And also, like, just the subject of songs, they never really strive far from like the river flowing. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like they're not sitting there singing about obscene things, I guess you would say with, you know, some songs that we've listened to. You ever listen to Amos Lee? I think so. So we saw Amos Lee there last year. And other than Tyler Childers, he was the, my favorite act. He, it was just him on stage with a guitar, nothing, no bells and whistles. And it was amazing. Um, And, this year, by the way, Saturday, I can't remember how the headliners are Saturday because my dad and I were looking at two. I know Billy Strings is going to be there Saturday, and that's one of the big acts that we want to see. I want to go Friday because I really want to see Marcus King. Um, 
the dude's that guy's phenomenal as well, and his band's phenomenal. But um, so I'm hoping to get out there Friday again. I got to work that Friday, but I'm hoping to take off and go ahead and listen to some good music. Yeah. But Daryl Scott is going to be there, and this is one of the few Americana guys that stuck with me for over the years. And I've heard, I've listened to that phenomenal I think my, songwriter. My dad. I'd listen to him a little and bit. yeah, he's wrote a lot of songs for multiple country acts. Travis Tritt, it's a great day to be alive. Love, that was, you know, that was Daryl Scott. So he's going to be there. Assuming he probably is not going to play it, just because a lot of times it's, he, um, it, yeah, I, I mean, he used to have seen him play it live, and it was really, you know, it was good. What night it was great. This is the original. This original, the way he projected it, you know, it's all original. It's like oh, that's kind of cool because you're only hearing. I'm hoping he's getting royalties from it because the song's still oh, pretty well known I today. Guarantee he didn't, you know, sell straight up. But um, he's going to be there, and he's a phenomenal musician. And when he came to Merle Fest, he actually was started bringing on the electric bass, electric fiddle, um, and he, I think, a couple songs even guitar. So, like I said, back in the day, you would very rarely see any kind of electric instrument period and now like with marcus king i'm assuming majority of all of the instruments that he plays are going to be electric like it's just evolved that far even willie nelson and then a the cool thing about um Merrill fest as well if you, you get a chance to go there's all kinds of instruments you can buy there handmade yeah. actually they have um, auctions Wayne Henderson. They have. i don't know if you've ever heard yeah. of him he's a local guy um within bluegrass americana people will are waiting in lines for years for guitars made by him yeah they um, um last year we went and they have auctions for all kinds of stuff, including yep. instruments. Like there was one they had an auction, like a silent auction for this guitar that uh, was a rare made acoustic. I don't remember the the builder, but it was like eight ten thousand dollar acoustic. That's awesome. And, and some then, guy bid like twelve or thirteen thousand dollars for this acoustic. But yeah, and they they will um, even do like during the because there's all these musical acts, which is great. But then they have other tents and set up where you can go get a good bite to eat. Yeah, you there's can go, food. There's games for yeah. chil- children, and, and like I said, it takes over the entire campus mm-hmm. of this college. So it's there's something for everybody. And, and they have competitions going on all day. Like I know they yeah. have like uh, picking competitions and fiddler competitions yep. and stuff like that. And what I I'm what I like with prizes and a lot is. You know, left of the stage, they have the tent with all their stuff. I'm selling assuming your main stage, right? Yeah, yep. the left of main stage where they have the food vendors, and then they have the where they sell the guitars. Like Martin's yep. there. Yep. I like walking into that tent and seeing two random dudes that have never met each other sitting down yep. with guitars, yeah, cool. just awesome. playing together, yeah. and like they're playing stuff on the guitar that, that I would never ever be able to play. And there's kids like 10 years old that are oh, yeah. like just shredding you know and, and there's I actually think, quite a few i know just speaking of that um merle fest we're just on in this western north carolina where we live there's a fielders convention yep um mm-hmm. there's even a couple other ones i came to think of right now there's one that's right up there towards blowing rock boone area yep. it's in yep, september yep, yep. um and that one's pretty cool because i guess because they're appealing to the college more it's on a i can't remember what you call it but you can rent kind of like tps whatnot if you want to stay the night and their acts like they only have four or five acts but the cool thing about it is they bring up like this massive, just like trailer pulled keg machine. It's got like, you know, nine or 10 drafts and you can buy like a $12 cup, infinite refills. That's awesome. So like, it, it's pretty cool. You know, and it's not as big either. And I actually saw Dead Oaks got there um, not too long ago. And that was a pretty cool experience. So Western North Carolina has a lot to offer when yeah. it comes to just kind of Americana, folk music. Um, Another thing that we want to like do um, is you can't register until April, but... Uh, I'm in talks with someone that I know and other, if I can't get through them, I'm going to apply for two passes for summer NAM in Nashville in July. Um, 
that's another if you don't know what nam is it is the biggest gear show in the world everything new that these gear music any music company period releases for that year nine times out of ten it's really it's released at nam so we're gonna try to go to nam and uh, sounds like how you start saving some money oh god i know but uh we're gonna try to go to nam which is it's really only open to people in the music industry but general attendees you can apply for tickets so that's what we're going to try to do and try to get in under media uh which will be nice um but we'll be definitely have even if we don't get to go to nam we're going to have a nam podcast talking about all the stuff that came out at nam what we're excited to see what we're excited to try um and another thing i would like to do with this is we're gonna in the future try to turn this more into not only just a podcast but more youtube a vlog um where you can do real gear reviews of you you can see the gear not just us rambling on and talking about it um that's something i'd like to turn this into as well and it's gonna again what makes me excited week by week is a good way to keep ourselves i guess you can say in tune and pressured and learn more and more about these you know gear playing all this stuff to keep our and hopefully expand on how well the musicians we are in ourselves because i mean we know some stuff but we're i guess amateur to some 100 yeah and this is a way to push us and hopefully become just well-rounded all the way through through and through um so i'm looking forward to it i hope we do get some passes regardless because that sounds like a good time oh dude it, I, I watch all the videos from winter nam that was in los angeles yeah. a couple weeks ago i was watching all the videos man uh all the cool or everything really it was just it, it was crazy yep. you know and there's um, all kinds of stuff like if we ever this blows up even more and somehow some way we launch like a patreon self-funded and you guys are generous enough we can hit up all kinds of stuff like tell you in colorado which yeah. is like the merle fest for out west i mean even i know this sounds crazy you would like this i can't remember what it's called but it's the whole biker thing you know what I'm talking about? It's out. It's like Midwest. Sturgis. Yes. <laughs> I know it's crazy, but just to experience that, because you know they always bring in some kind of act, right? I know like Nickelback I, was a I don't huge know. act when they brought it in. That makes me hate Sturgis. No, I don't know anything about Sturgis. But I just, in general, I'm just yeah. saying, like, there's so much stuff out there. Um, if ever, like, I would love to go. I can't like reading over in England. I mean, that yeah. would be nat- Like, that would be phenomenal. All the, all the oh, reading festival, yeah. And there's another one. I know we kind of talked about this, and I actually didn't pass this by Chris before we got on. Because, again, it's, I don't know if I'll be able to do it myself because the tickets are pretty high. But in Midtown, I think it's Midtown Park, Atlanta or something like that. Ever heard of that one? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think it's in September. My Chemical Romance will be playing it. I am not. Their tickets, are, they sold out in like six hours. Right. Well, that they announced it, but that... Midtown hasn't announced their tickets oh, yet, so you actually have to buy tickets from for the Atlanta act, and it's kind of weird because I know like last year, like Billy Eilish was there, and there's a couple yeah. other acts that I really, I think Nicki Minaj was there one time, but they have this just this huge breadth of every kind of musician. Like one year it was like, I'm like I said, this is an example, but I know these acts have been there, but it was like Nicki Minaj followed by Mumford and Sons, That's which well, I love yeah. Mumford and Sons, and it's again, it's just saying there's just all kinds of stuff out there they'll have to go to and. Speaking of music in September, I need you to look up Furnace Fest in Alabama in September. Might be the greatest music festival of all time. Just saying. <laughs> but, all right, one more thing. Today in music news, my I found this out by listening to the Downbeat podcast. If you've never listened to it, you're wrong. Please go listen to it. It's fantastic. Um, 
my favorite band of all time, The Ghost Inside, have finally finished their new album. That's awesome. This is their first new album since 2014 when Dear Youth came out and their first new music since their bad accident in 2015. It's been four years. They've played two shows in the last four years. They're finally able, finally healthy enough to get back and play. If anybody doesn't know, they were in a bad bus accident in um, 2015. Their drummer lost one of his legs, Andrew. Um, I think the driver actually died. The driver, two people died. Um, the driver, I think the drivers of both vehicles. Yeah. Um, but they, it was just devastating. They didn't know if they'd ever play music again or ever be able to. But you know, God willing, they are able to uh, awesome. put out new music. So I could not be more excited about that. We'll probably, I'll probably do an entire podcast on it because it's my, they're my favorite band. There's no but question about it. Looking forward. Speaking of Ghost Inside. Every week we like to do a thing where we uh, pick an album for one another. So I think we should kind of dive into that. Because um, long story short, we're hoping to grow this. We're listening to some feedback. And one of the things you want to not go as long. So let's dive into this next segment. And okay. What you had to listen to, what I had to listen to. and Let's, um, let's just get this over with. Keaton wanted me to listen to the new album by the Bigger Than Life star, Lizzo. What's that song? Throw my hair up. <laughs> I don't know any more than that, but. <laughs> okay, so. It was terrible. <laughs> and I'm, I tried to be open-minded about music. And do you I have a newfound love from the Minnesota Vikings? <laughs> no, I do not. Oh. Um, the first album, first song on that album, if you cut her vocals entirely, the music had a lot of jazz influence, and it was awesome. A lot of the music and the beats on that album were great, but I don't like, I don't like rap music. Yeah, and I don't like her subject matter. R and B. Yeah, that's true. Excuse my language. Speaking of I that, I try not to say bad words, but Lizzo writes music for the like, men ain't shit type of woman. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? I don't know how much she writes personally. I, I know they're actually at one point they were under fire because one of her songs they were getting sued for for um, copyright issues. Well, either way, I don't know how that turned out, and I can't remember exactly more. Her than subject that, matter is not good. I mean, I didn't really dive into it because I just thought yeah. it was funny. I listened to it here and there, listened to some snippets, and of course, everybody knows the singles. Yeah, and um, I listen to some and of sometimes, it with like, my you, fiance, and you know, she kind of likes that. Music, you can't help it though; like some of the songs are catchy, you catch yourself yeah. singing along. But again, that's why music is as great as it is because there's something for everyone out there. And yeah, like you said, it maybe is empowering to women and all you know, all for that you know, to whatever extent I just that didn't needs like to be. It at all. Um, that's so, my that's my review of that album. I didn't. I just didn't like it. Speaking of you know, within that kind of that industry. And I'm not saying anyone out there is fake. I'm talking about aesthetically, like visually. She definitely does not look like your normal, um, you know what I'm talking about, like capitalistic Artist. act to put on front oh, of an yeah. album. And I think that's what kind of makes her music empowering as it is. And as, I would you know, say she can sing. Yeah. And it, um, she's an amazing singer. But other than and her, and I saw her in the Grammys, man, and she looks like she's having a blast. So, oh, yeah, live your best life. And it seems like she is, <laughs> and that's cool. But now, what you gave me was counterparts. Yep, um, nothing, nothing left to love. 
And actually, I enjoyed this one. I enjoyed it more than our, was it Arcadia Strain because that one was a little more heavier. Like this album, probably, it was a pretty good album. Phenomenal. I enjoyed it from front to back. I really like Paradise of Plague. Yep. Separate one. Wounds. Nothing Left to Love. Love Me. And it's kind of weird because I actually started because you told me to check out number 10 because you thought it was different, you know, compared to the rest of the album. And I started with that one, End of Love Me. And it's weird because I feel like it wraps around better if you start, you start on, on 10. the end and then. I know this is kind of strange, yeah. but the um, quality and just the production of the album was phenomenal. Yeah. And even though it's a metal album, there were some lead and cleans in there that came through that, first of all, I wasn't expecting. Well, that's They one take thing. off break. And this is my biggest compliment of this whole album. They add melody when in some of the because some metal they just don't really have melody. Yeah, they add melody. They don't they don't go clean vocals on all everything because there's actually little clean on the album except yep. for number ten. Um, cause it makes me think that if they do another album that they might actually go because some of the when they actually go into quite a few of the courses and pre courses when that melody kicks in, I thought it was going to be straight clean because you know it kind of sits better with that kind of stuff, which they didn't. Which again, still cool. Yeah. Um, well, I would say, but dude, um, I mean, it was great. Like some of the courses, like it just their um, guitar players are amazing. Uh, Blake, I, I don't know the other guitar player that was on this album. I'm not sure his name. I, I should have looked this up. He uh, was one of the original guitar players, and now he's back. Okay, but Blake is not an original guitar player. He's actually played in two or three of bands I really enjoy. Uh, but Blake. I met him at one of their shows. One of the nicest people I've ever met. That's awesome. But when it comes to chops on the guitar, the dude can play. Yeah. The dude can shred. And a lot of their guitar parts are, it's real heavy in your face music, but it's very intricate. A lot of the guitar players are. Like I said, they go into some, like you were kind of just heavy chugging, whatever it may be. And then they'll bust into almost like a post-course into a second verse or a pre-course into a course. And they go into a very melodic driven yeah. riff or whatever it may be. And it was just kind of like, the, I haven't listened to too much metal. I know some still do it, whatnot. But it was just kind of eye opening to an extent because, like, okay, it's strange. Like, there really wasn't much melody, you know? It's just heavy. And it's just, just heavy. Yeah. And then they, you know, drop this. And, and the first thing I thought in my head was like, oh, they're going to go cleans. Because it kind of reminds me of a day to remember. Like, you'll listen to some of their songs that are just straight heavy, and then they'll go into a course, and then they'll try to add a little more melody to it, so he'll, you know, switch over to cleans and stuff. So I was like, I'm expecting this. This is what's going to happen. And they didn't, you know, vocally, they didn't bring it. But their vocalist, he does have a range to where there's some metal guys I can't, I can't understand what they're saying. Oh, This dude, Brendan I can almost understand one of the, best vocalists the, the majority game. of what he was saying. So well, that not, did not help. the best. He so. is insane. Live, he's great. On the albums, he's great. His lyrical content is yep. awesome. A lot of symbolism in his lyrics, which I think is really cool. But he's awesome, and he's hilarious. His Twitter is just ridiculous. <laughs> Half the time, he'll change his Twitter name, and I'll see this. Like It's just the most off-the-wall bullcrap. I don't even understand it, but it's funny. They're the best. They're one of they're my other than the Ghost Inside. They're my favorite band. Yeah, man. Every album they've put out's gotten better than the last, and it's it's changed a lot. But innately, it's still counterparts. Yep. There's no crazy genre changes in their music. It's always been counterparts. But you can't, you can't say that for a lot of bands, and especially five or six albums deep like they are. I could be completely wrong on that. I'm pretty sure it's five. 
but you know they're awesome well what do you have for me next week and i'll give you one and we'll do this again next episode we'll do listen to that valley band i told you about. valley all right just because i want to listen to them more too so <laughs> i'm gonna give you one um one of my favorites from 2018 going into 2019, Love the Live Show. I want, I want you to give 21 Pots Trench. I've been meaning to actually listen to them. That so one's I will, called Trench. I will do that. I would, uh, you know what? Let's not do Trench. Let's do Vessels. Okay. And it's actually their first one on Fuel by Ramen. And it's actually my favorite still. Um, if you, it's probably the only just album like compilation of music out there because once he actually gets into blurry face and followed by trench, it's concept. Okay. Like he is actually has a through line through both of those albums. Um, but what's interesting is they're in vessels. And a lot of these 29 pots, if y'all fans out there, if y'all hear me, I think they're called the click. They'll dive even deeper into this. Mm-hmm. But if I'm not mistaken, blurry face actually appears in vessels, which is interesting. Cause again, he doesn't really make himself known until, um, Play your face. Yeah. yeah. The album. Um, so it's kind of cool to look back on it. And it's one of my favorite albums. Every single song on that album is different. I mean, okay. you'll literally, you'll start with the first one. It's straight up rap. It's very electronic. The second one goes into it. It's just piano, but rap. It's very <laughs> interesting. Um, and then I think like one of the songs, House of Gold on there, Street Ukulele and Drums. That's all you got on it. I have heard him play um, ukulele before he covered an Elvis song. Yeah. It was, amazing. and then my favorite song on there. If ever actually you do get a tattoo, it's actually going to be kind of based off this. It's a song called Trees, and I'm just going to kind of dive into this because I've talked a lot about 21 Pilots. I mean, excuse me, Blink, but 21 Pilots has been one of my favorites um, outside of you know like the heavy stuff that we listen to. But um, just this song in itself is has meaning, I guess you can say. Um, I guess whoever hears it is going to mean something different, but. Next week, I'll see what Chris thinks about it and what he thinks and what is, how it spoke to him. And then I'll say how it spoke to me. And Yeah, we'll do it. I'll allude a little more on it. But uh, I think that's but, all we got today, man. Nope, before we go, because okay. we alluded to this very beginning, we just got to pick our Super Bowl picks. Oh, man, we that's didn't talk about happen. football at all, and I nope, said we were. We didn't. My pick. Oh, man. I hope I'm not wrong about this. 49ers, 35-28. I think it's going to be Kansas City. I think it's going to be a blowout. I'm thinking like 40s, maybe into the 20s in the San Francisco range, 40s in Kansas City. I think it's time for Andy Reid to get his get his Super Bowl. I think Pat Mahomes is the best player on the field. Um, he's got the best talent on the offensive. And I think, and this is what I'm thinking. Richard Sherman's going to eat today. I'm if, telling you, he's eating. If they get ahead, if Kansas City get ahead, and it has to fall on Jimmy G's yeah, shoulders. I will say that. I if Kansas City gets ahead early and Jimmy can get G, out of hand quickly. If Jimmy so, G has to control the game without their running game, yeah, it but, will get ugly. We'll see. We'll see, man. Everybody, appreciate you for listening. Uh, we will see you next, hopefully next week. We're going to try to do this once a week, depending on our schedules. Um, but yeah, give us a shout, give us a shout out on Twitter. Tell us what you think um, at, at Side Stage Pod. Um, subscribe, leave us a review on iTunes, and uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks.